Hi, guys. Sean and I have some exciting news. Uh, we have created official Twitter and Instagram accounts for the Oh, Mr. Sheffield podcast. It is at Oh, Mr. Chef pod on both platforms. And that is Oh, Mr. Chef with two Fs. So Oh, Mr. Chef pod. Check it out. Follow us. It's going to have all the latest and greatest from us about this show. Um, and we hope you like it. Now enjoy the episode. The Flushing Girl from Flushing, the nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, uh, Miss Fine. Hello, and welcome back to Oh, Mr. Sheffield. This is episode 14. I am Shanti Pasquale, and here with Toria Sheffield. Hello. We are um, talking about episode 14, season one of The Nanny, The Family Plumbing. Uh, this was an episode. It was directed by Linda Day, and it was written by Bill Lawrence. Do you know who Bill Lawrence is? No. Bill Lawrence is the creator of Scrubs. <gasps> I love Scrubs. Yeah, me too. Very well known. Um, Bill Lawrence is all, I mean, Bill Lawrence is a seasoned TV writer. He is also the co-creator and producer of Ted Lasso, which is a phenomenal <gasps> show. Mm-hmm. Um, he, uh, yeah, I mean, this guy, he did Cougar Town. He's written a couple of movies. So um, he must have been just he, a little baby writer, but this episode was, I mean, we were just saying before this record started, we were like, it's like so much happened and yet nothing happened. Um, yeah, yeah. And for context, it's the episode where Brighton has his first kiss while Maggie, who is three years older, is forbidden to go to a boy-girl party, which reveals that Mr. Sheffield has some serious double standards. With and uh, Fran sees Mr. Sheffield's junk for the first time. Mm-hmm. She gets to see, she gets to see Mr. Sheffield's dick. Which was... <laughs> <laughs> Which really just, you know, truly took like a left turn, was not expecting <laughs> at all. And yet, um, classic sitcom trope, right? Like, oh, I saw you in the show. I mean, I, I, I feel like Friends did this. I feel like every TV show has done but, this. But here's the thing. It's not like it happened. Like, oh, who's the boss? I, I specifically remember the who's the boss episode where um, Tony walks in on Angela in the shower. But like, the thing is, that was like, the first act plot point of those episodes. This happens like somewhere randomly, like 17 minutes into a 22 minute episode. So you're just like, okay. Yeah. It was really the C plot of the episode. This show specifically, because you brought it up, gets compared to who's the boss a lot. There are a Mm -hmm. lot of plots that sort of cross over. I mean, I think, you know, the conceit of a live in nanny uh, with a family and then moving into their lives after the head of the family and the family suffers like a a parental loss. I mean, there's a lot of similarities, you know, this is almost a gender reversed version of who's the boss in a lot of ways. Yeah. There's a lot, when you go on IMBD, there's a lot of chatter about how like, well, this was, you know, stolen straight from who's the boss. And this is such a, who's the boss ripoff. I actually think that doesn't give the nanny enough credit. Um, I do too. I, I ignore a lot of those, those notes and like the trivia and goofs mm-hmm. because sometimes it's just like, well, that's just a sitcom thing. You know, it's not yes. unique to who's the boss. And I think people are conflating a lot because it's like, he was a, a living nanny and she's a living nanny, but like, I don't know. I think the shows are drastically different. Yeah. They feel different in tone. They feel different in one liners. Um, yeah. 
Um, I, and I just, I get point of view, right? Like, like, yes, he's from New York and she's from New York, I guess. But like, he's bringing in this very Italian, uh, uh, blue collary kind of thing. And she's bringing in this, like, you know, like Jewish, a Jewish fashionista, fashionista thing. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't quite see the similarities. I guess as much as other people appear to, especially on IMDb, you're right. I mean, it would be like if you compared any show with a group of friends to friends. Right. And you're like, it's such a ripoff. And, you know, you're like, oh, cheers. They're all friends. They're just in a bar. And it's like, yeah, it's a sitcom, guys. But, okay, so Maggie desperately wants to go to this boy-girl party. And Mr. Sheffield is like, absolutely not. Like, there's going to be making out there. And there's going to be boys. And Fran is lobbying super hard this whole episode to let Miss for Mr. Sheffield to allow her to go. And then meanwhile, there's this whole other plot going on. And it's almost like weird breaking into like A and B plots. Cause I think what was weird about this episode is there's like a bunch of A plots, but um, is so the water is off in the household. Like they're having major plumbing problems, which is also double entendre why this episode is called the family plumbing because yeah. it's literal plumbing issues and also boy girl issues and, differences in sons versus daughters but so the water is not working and so fran convinces mr sheffield to call her like you know great uncle or some random you know uh, uncle in the family to do um some contract work on their house so this ancient man shows up who's clearly like way too old to still be working and he has one of fran's little cousins in tow this little girl named tiffany by the way before you Googled her, did you recognize Tiffany? No. I I was like, this girl looks familiar to me. So I looked it up. Her The actress is Jackie Tone, T-O-H-N, yeah. and she plays Melanie in Glow. But, um, oh, so this little girl shows up, Tiffany, and it's Fran's little cousin who's maybe like 11 or maybe she's 12. And it's so funny because she she was so – this little girl was so good. She's basically like a mini Fran. She's a little girl. She's from Queens. She knows it all, seen it all. And she's basically been charged with sort of being their like great uncle's babysitter because he's yeah. clearly like way too old to be doing this himself. And, you know, Fran and her exchange some like greetings and then – Brighton shows up and, you know, Tiffany and Brighton are about the same age. So Fran's just like, all right, you two, like, go off and play. Get out of here. And so she sends them upstairs. And, you know, they instantly have that very, you know, typical sort of like antagonistic 11-year-old vibe where they're, you know, like Yankees or Mets and, like, they have – exact opposite opinions and like you know they list something else and they have exact opposite opinions and it's like oh you're dumb and they go upstairs bickering in the way that like little boys and girls at that age often yeah it's very much like i'll pull your hair because i like you yes which i kind of want so i want to get into that conversation later because i was like i I know a lot of people are going to have a lot of problems with the portrayal of this blossoming little romance i actually didn't but we can get into that later i uh, i guess i mean I didn't either because this episode is yeah, more yeah. focused on the sexist double <laughs> standard than anything else. So it did their, their relationship didn't really bother me uh, like that much. You know, I mean, look, I, I, I do think that overall, like you and I have both talked a lot on this show about the way Maggie's portrayed and what we would or wouldn't, let our kids do. And on the episode with the Kane sisters, they actually both gave us like completely different perspective. And we were like, Oh yeah, that's a good point. Fair. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I feel like this episode, if anything, 
kind of pointed out my own double standard in that I was like, okay with them exploring this topic for the boy more than I was for her. So, okay. I guess to clarify, I realized I had a whole universe in my brain that I was expecting you to, to know about. I thought that some people would find it problematic because they do this thing where it's very much like, oh, this little boy and girl are fighting constantly. And this little boy is kind of being mean to this little girl. But of course, that means they like each other. And I think now there's there's very much this like trend where it's like, no, no, no. Don't teach little girls that, oh, if a boy is mean to you, it means he mm. likes you. Like don't don't like um, let children at such a young age like internalize that. So then later they think, oh, when a guy treats him like shit, it secretly means he likes me. Like I think that's yeah. a big – parent well this is what i was gonna say where i was like i could totally see certain people oh and just again for some context there was we're we're, we're really all over the place in this episode but just to jump ahead a lot the episode was yes well when fran catches the so after they've been doing nothing but bickering this whole episode fran catches them kissing in the bathroom and she's like how did this happen and brighton has this particular line that i i wrote down but now I'm having trouble finding. But he's basically like, well, he's like, you know how it is. She shoved me. I shoved her. And then we kissed <laughs> or something like that, where it was like, you know, that's how little kids, you know, actually yes. relate to each other in that way. And I think a lot of people would be like, oh, I, what a horrible, like, micro message. And that's interesting. But, I was like, but that's I kids. didn't really get that because, A, yeah, that's kids. And, B, they really made her the more aggressive one. Like, it wasn't so much him negging her. It was really her, like, being really mean to him and, like, <laughs> like, like being super cold to him. And then, like, she does, like, get physical with him first and, like, shoves him. And she does seem like she's, you know, the more aggressive one when it comes to, like, initiating the kiss and stuff, at least the way it was portrayed. So, like, yeah, I didn't really feel like – yeah, I didn't even really pick up on that. I mean, I get – I understand what you're saying, though. But it's, you know, the classic, um, like, Hans and Leia thing, where it's sort of like, she says no when he kisses her, and but it's clear she loves it. And, we're, you know, there's all these conversations where it's like, wait, 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 maybe that's actually, like, a terrible standard. It's just Han. Um, it's just Han. Han. I know. I always, I conf- I always Hans, say Hans. you're thinking of Hans Gruber, who was the villain in Die Hard. But those are <laughs> very different people. What if I was like, oh, you're right, I am thinking <laughs> um No, I always call Han Hans. It's a, it's a bad thing, for especially oh, for people who love Star Wars. But... Nice. Um, it's just great. Is it just grating every time I do it? It's just like, it's, you know, you sound insane to me. Like <laughs> It's almost as if I'm calling him Haynes. It's just like, it's just like, it's like, I feel like Han Solo is a pretty recognizable. It would be like if you referred to like the Pope as the pop and you just kept I, doing it. And it's like, no, no, I, I think you mean the Pope. And you're like, yeah, so I said the pop. <laughs> What? My mom calls Joss Whedon Josh, and it feels like very those. You know, I know it's like he's. Oh. I get it. Like that's like a weirder name, and he's well, well, less well known. But like when people go like, "Oh yeah, I'm a huge. I love Buffy. I love Josh Whedon," and I'm like, <laughs> "If you love Buffy so much, you should learn that that guy's name is definitely not Josh." Um, well, I would a I would never claim to be a huge Star Wars fan, um, but I I do enjoy it casually, like as much as the next person. But no excuse, it is Han. But no, listen, casually enough that. You you think his name is Hans? <laughs> Hans Solos. 
like this uh, weird. He's like this weird German. <laughs> I am Hans Solos. I love you, Luke Light Skywalkers. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm the. I, my favorite part of uh, Star Wars is when Hans Solos um, defeats Skynet <laughs> <laughs> and tells that guy Luca that he's the best. <laughs> That all is to say, neither of us felt like it was like a dangerous message that this little boy and girl were fighting and antagonistic and then ended up kissing. No. Um, In fact, the thing that I felt was most offensive to me in this episode was, so again, again, I think this is an episode made up of like C plots that just weren't strong enough for full episodes. Um, So, and one of those C plots is, is Mr. Sheffield has to cast showgirls. So a bunch of pretty girls show up at the house and it gives Niles and Brighton an ability to be complete perverts for the entire episode. And the worst, most egregious line is Brighton is wandering through the living room full of like auditioning showgirls going like, hello, I'm the producer's son. Hello, I'm the producer's son. He's 11, by the way. And he walks up to a girl, a blonde lady with, breasts and he's and who is wearing by the way a leotard let's be very clear she's in it could only be a leotard it's a one piece leotard right like mm-hmm. okay and she goes ah what do you want to be when you grow up and he stares directly at her breasts <laughs> very longingly and then he says without ever making eye contact with the woman i want to be a halter top which yep. doesn't even work because she's not wearing a fucking halter top I mean, it still works. It still works. He's saying he wants to be a tiny, tight item of clothing to be wrapped around a large, busted woman. Yes. I mean, but so I have the note, which is C-Pod is Mr. Sheffield casting showgirls, abundance of Niall being a perv jokes. because Yeah, because the other – I thought you were going to call out the line where Brighton is walking around Uh this area with – uh, Niles and Brighton goes oh and Niles goes no Brighton you cannot watch the showgirls audition through the keyhole and Brighton's like why not and Niles goes because that's where I'll be yes he also Niles also it's so funny the first two episodes of the show made a lot of like Niles might be gay jokes and then it feels like someone someone was like guys Niles can't be freaking gay okay he's straight as hell and we need to show the audience how straight he is because the last like four episodes in a row I feel like we get a lot of like Niles popping in a room to be like my jerk off to women like because <laughs> like, he does it in this episode um but so okay so the, yeah we've got we've got the plot of Maggie desperately wanting to go to this party in France trying to help convince Mr. Sheffield we've got uh, Brighton and this young girl Tiffany, they eventually kiss. Yes. We've got this Mr. Sheffield is casting these these buxom women. And which then, again, I'm glad that these just, were all broken into little bits because the imagine if we had just a whole episode that was just the casting plot. Like like I'm so happy that was just like relegated to like a C plot. You know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. Um so when when Mr. Sheffield finds out that Brighton kissed a girl, you know, Fran is like in, she's in terror. She's like, Oh my God, when he finds out that I'm the one who sent those kids upstairs to play alone together, he's going to kill me because like, just look at the way he's been reacting to Maggie, who's three years older, potentially going to a party where there's boys. So she is bracing herself to almost get fired. But of course, lo and behold, as soon as Mr. Sheffield finds out that Brighton kissed a girl, he's literally like, huh, 
Brighton kissed a girl. <laughs> he beat his old man by a few years. Like, good job. You know, he was completely, he completely reacts like nonchalantly proud, amused yeah. by it. And this is when Fran is like, oh my God, like what is going on here? He's being super sexist. So we established Which is super progressive for 1994. Like this, this feels like what they would be like someone in the, in the writer's room was like, we should talk about this, you know, like, yes, <laughs> we have a platform. Yes. Um, and you know, Maggie, even, Maggie even says, um, she's like, Fran, please talk to dad about this. Like, aren't you the one who's always saying that men and women should be treated exactly equally? And Fran's like, that sounds like me. And then Maggie goes, except men should pay for dinner. And then Fran's like, oh, that's definitely me. <laughs> um, but so this leads to the other, this like bizarre thing that happens where Fran is like, you're right. I'm going to go talk to your father. So mm-hmm. she marches upstairs. She's looking around for Mr. Sheffield. She she thinks that ma- she hears something in the bathroom. So she's assuming it's Brighton and this little girl making out again. So she throws open the door, pulls back the shower curtain and finds Mr. Sheffield there because also the water has now been turned on and he can finally shower. Okay. I would like to mention a couple of things that don't work here. Number one, they live in a mansion. Number two, he definitely has a master bedroom, which definitely has a bathroom ensuite shower situation. Number three, there's probably other showers in this in this in this mansion that they live in. He chose to use the kids' shower, which is clearly like their. It's the same shower we've been showed for like like it's on their like area. It's all just like so poorly, like so forcefully. It all happens so forcefully, and then it happens also structurally, like towards the end of the episode, where it's just like, "Oh, I saw his wiener," and then she's like you know, a super weird first scene and he's weird first scene. And then it literally, I mean, literally the last line of the episode is she's like, she's like, Mr. Sheffield, you know, nice. You got a nice one though. <laughs> wink, wink, wink. And like, like, like I, I wrote, I wrote my last note is Mr. Sheffield's packing confirmed. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing is normally this would be the foundation of the entire plot of the episode. It would have been first act plot point, Yes. Fran walks in on Mr. Sheffield naked, and now we need to deal with the ramifications of this for the entire mm-hmm. rest of the episode. Yeah. It happens with like T minus five minutes to go. Yeah. They're briefly uncomfortable uncomfortable around each other. It doesn't even really it doesn't even thematically tie into any of the plot lines in any other way. Like no. she kind of says something. You, you know, she doesn't, it really doesn't. It doesn't, no, it doesn't. you know tie into his sexist double standards it doesn't tie into any lessons we've been talking about with these showgirls really but also i'll say did you notice how after she sees him and is like oh my god i'm so sorry and she runs out the look on his face yeah it's super creepy (laughs) yeah like it was like oh he clearly very much enjoyed that well don't you (laughs) feel like don't you feel like when you look at this situation in today's standards maybe he wanted her to see him naked because why did he choose that shower why didn't he lock the door like there's i have so many questions about like there's like i have so many questions about it and and i feel like you could really argue that he like was like hey listen if she walks in and this happens then like you know (laughs) hey who's to say Um, let's also talk about soap on a rope this was a thing I forgot until I saw him wearing a soap on a rope. And she said, oh, you're using that soap on a rope I got you for Christmas. And then it made me think, you know, A, 
I never was given a soap on a rope. And B, I don't know that that was really a real trend outside of this joke. Like, did you know anyone? My dad was a pretty dorky dad guy. And like, he never had a soap. I mean, who needs this? Yeah, but at the same time, it's like, I never knew anyone with a pet rock, but I think it was a thing. (sighs) Yeah, sometimes I think things are things that people talk about because they were like weird and unique, but I don't know how many people actually use them i I mean yeah maybe soap on a rope is just so stupid that it you know well i was gonna say like a snuggie but i mean many of us have snuggies i own a comfy this episode is brought to you by snapple welcome to the snapple market auditory experience close your eyes imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store you make your way to the back and reach for your favorite snapple flavor you can't wait you take a sip Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Yeah, I was about to say, you you took it a step further. You have an off-brand Snuggie called the Comfy. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a Snuggie, but instead of a blanket, it's a giant hoodie that like you put over your entire body. It's the best thing. Um, and I, you know, you guys, he's serious about this. I only know about this because he has sung its praises and been like, you have to get one. It's genuinely like, yeah. I mean, because look, my thing is Elizabeth will lay down on the couch and put a blanket over her, right? Mm-hmm. And when I want a blanket, I, I like wrap it around from behind me, you know, but then it's like the front is open and you have to hold it. And like, and like. When we saw this, I was like, oh, that's literally what I've always wanted is I just wanted a blanket that just wraps around you, you know, but it's big enough that it feels like a blanket and you don't have to put your arms in the sleeves if you don't want to, but you can. So you can still like, you know, for me, it's like all about like if I'm wrapped up in a blanket, my arms are not free to smoke marijuana. And that is <laughs> medically something that I I need. So from a doctor. So, um, you know. Yeah, I mean. What the audience doesn't know is how many times I've edited out his exhales at this point. Oh, I, I have a whole filter for bong hits. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay. So let me, let, let me, uh, let me just go through. I had, I didn't have like a ton of notes. Cause like, again, this, this episode was kind of all over the place. It felt like a lot of things that maybe they wanted to cover that they didn't feel they had enough to cover in 22 minutes. Like maybe they just didn't want to do a whole story about him seeing friend naked, but they wanted to hit the trope of that in the show. And so they did it in this kind of throwaway way. I don't know if it ultimately works out, but so there's a line in the beginning where they say, um, where Maggie's like, if you don't let me go to this party with boys, I'm never going to learn how to have a boyfriend and I'm going to end up old and alone like Fran. And then like, of course, Fran is standing right behind her. And I just wrote, oh, Fran just turned 30, <laughs> like two episodes ago. <laughs> That's the worst. She took it very well, though. She took she it did. with a lot of humor and grace. She did. She did. Um, uh, you know, the, we talked about all the perving on, on people things. It's all very strange. But then the flip side of that, and again, this made me go, wow, I'm really glad they didn't do a whole showgirl episode, is... Grace walks in and is, or yeah, no. What's the little one? Gracie, the little one? Yeah. Gracie Mm -hmm. walks in and she's sort of wandering around like wide-eyed, staring at all the different showgirls that are there, like warming up or whatever. And then she sees Fran and she's like, Fran, 
she's like, this is great. Uh, she goes, it's like, it's like a bunch of Barbie dolls, <laughs> which I also was like, man, that's like, they just didn't handle any of this well. You know what I mean? Like, like it all just feels like, like poorly handled. Like it's, you know, and then I think Fran says something about like, yeah, but you can't play with these, these Barbies. Those, these are, these are toys for the boys or something. Oh yeah. These, these are toys for, these are dolls for boys. <laughs> and it's just like. God, these these are just like like actresses trying to get a, a job. <laughs> like, it's yeah, so- you know what? Sometimes, sometimes when I think when I um blame or attribute some of the things that are happening to the t- time period, I then remember like two and a half men or something, which yeah. not not in any way to compare the nanny to that show, but. There are, or you know what, an even more uh, recent example would be that show Moms with like Anna yeah. Ferris, when or true uh, two broke girls. Like when when you watch those shows, eighty five percent of the jokes are sex jokes, and I just forget because I don't often watch those shows um, anymore. Those types of shows. I think that like comedy has evolved to you know Same. so many other avenues, I but I don't actually know if a lot of these things are. Um, dated as opposed to like now just relegated they're just still relegated to sitcoms and neither of us really watch sitcoms anymore yeah that's fair i mean that's very fair but but yeah i thought yeah no that's pretty fair i mean i mean because that's the like like the the uh like the objectifying and sexism on display in this episode is like just it's just i I was like wow that's it's crazy that like that's what this is. I mean, they literally compare these women to just like dolls for boys. I mean, she says they're dolls for boys. Dolls and it's like, boys. oh boy. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, maybe that's just a sitcom humor oh, thing. One quick thing. We forgot to mention how this all gets resolved. Basically, Mr. Sheffield recognizes his double standard and he compromises and says like, yes, Maggie can go to this party. Um, so just, just so he does, in fact, slightly learn a lesson because of Fran's influence. Yes. Yes. And um, there is also a weird thing. We briefly talked about how Fran sees him naked and then sort of immediately is like, oh, but his muscles and this and that. But when she first sees him naked and she's like freaking out that it happened, she says it's like seeing your father naked, which again felt to me like, man, that feels that's where I felt like the plot line was the most rushed is she went from oh my God, it's like seeing my dad naked to like, he's hot as hell and he's got a nice like <laughs> dick. And it's like, well, that it's such a quick, it happens in like one scene. So it just feels like, well, what is her actual reaction to this? Like, is she mortified or is she like all like hot and bothered? Yeah, I completely agree. When she first runs out, so it's like she runs headfirst into Niles and she's freaking out and he's he's like, don't make me slap you. And I'm like, okay, it sounds like Niles wants to slap her. But regardless, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> but also, like, she's she says that. And she's like, it's, it was like seeing your father naked. And I was like, oh, I guess Fran wasn't into it. And, like, you're absolutely right. Within, like, the same breath, she then says something like, not that I minded. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> So which is it? And yeah, you're right. The the writing was rushed. And I do think that like, you know, a note should have been like, okay, just, just omit that one father line because it's clearly not indicative of like where her perspective is right no, now. And we've been building this sexual attention between them. So if anything, it should have been like, oh my God, I'm embarrassed because he's my employer, but also hubba, 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 like, you know, like that, that was all it needed to be. It was very, very 
out of place for her to immediately react like, oh my God, it's like seeing your dad naked. It's like, no, it's not. <laughs> and though later in that same conversation, we do get an idea of what is actually upsetting and stressful to her. And it, it makes me laugh. She's basically like, oh no, he's not strong enough to handle this. Yes. Um, and I love the idea that like she innately knows that like Mr. Sheffield is weak and will be so humiliated and embarrassed that this will like have lasting effects on their relationship. And mm-hmm. she, as a counter to that is like much stronger as a human. Um, you know, she was like, oh, he's not going to, you know, he, he's too weak for, for this type of incident like he does and she was like he doesn't even like you know let you see him without a tie on yes did you have any other uh notes or oddities before we move on to segments and now segments so segments yeah no i think we should move on to segments i to say we can move on to our segments and now segments segments uh with sean and toria <laughs> All right, that was the segments theme. Um, oh, okay. So you so, didn't even answer. You just you just played the song. I'm just, I just play the song. You know, okay. like that's it's. I always want to try to hit the song on the word segments, so I get one <laughs> more segments in there. I re- it just makes me laugh. It's just for me. It's literally just for me. I don't know if anyone's enjoying it. Um, uh, hey, just like this podcast. <laughs> you know, basically. Uh, all right. So, what's our first segment? Is it lines? Yep. Favorite moments. Favorite lines. Uh, my favorite line was probably when Niles says, oh, after Fran has walked in on Mr. Sheffield, Niles was like, oh, it happened to me and the queen mum. And she goes, you walked into the queen in the shower? And he just, there's a long beat and he goes, no, on the throne. <laughs> and I legitimately laughed out loud. I was like, ha ha, he saw queen, he saw the queen pooping. <laughs> the queen, the queen's mother pooping. <laughs> no, that was, I have that exact line flag. So um th- that's my favorite yeah i totally agree because <laughs> i don't know it's just so funny it's just it's it's great it's like honestly it's a great great like line it brings up a hilarious visual of like this old british woman like oh dear you know it's just it's so funny and then he says it it's like those are the kind of weird niles perverty moments that are funny because it's like he says it with such relish like this is great that this happened like that works (laughs) i don't i don't like the uh horny 14 year old niles i don't oh it's it's yeah it's it's very off-putting yeah i just don't it doesn't fit the character i don't i like i I, not that i think he should be the butt of gay jokes but i almost liked it better when it was like he's this asexual weirdo like i totally agree then like this hyper like horny like no the victoria's secret catalog pages are sticking together and it's my fault (laughs) and it's like ew ew which is like mr sheffield like you've almost been groomed to think that this is okay (laughs) you don't you clearly don't know this isn't what your help and staff should be doing like no i mean he cleans your house and he's like i jerk off on the reg (laughs) and as we've established though mr sheffield has never known a life without nile so he truly probably does not know (laughs) it's all very weird um Um, uh, we also got an eddie reference which i noted and appreciated I love. Oh, what was it? I forgot. She says, she says, um, she says, uh, it's after Mr. Sheffield doesn't react to, to Brighton kissing. She goes, you, you know, you were so upset when, when, uh, when Maggie kissed Eddie. And I was like, oh, wow. They called him out by name. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So hopefully we, I I wonder if he's done. So I'm, I wonder if he's never coming back as her boyfriend since, 
what's going to happen is as we get closer to 1998, maybe, which is, I think, when the first X-Men movie comes out, like we lose, we get lesser and less of a chance for him to show up. Because once he's Cyclops, I don't think he shows up on the nanny. My God, I I can't believe that first. I always forget that the first X-Men was like the initial, initial superhero wave. But okay, so in terms of Yiddish, so I didn't clock any Yiddish. So instead, I explained. An, okay, but while there was no Yiddish, Fran makes reference to cashing in her Israeli bonds. <laughs> um, and I don't know if many people outside of the Jewish community um, would be aware of what those are. So I, I just grabbed from Cypher. I don't even know what website, so I can't give it credit, but a quick explanation of it. So it's much like other government bonds, Israel bonds are a loan you can make to the Israeli government. Israel's government uses this money to help strengthen its economy. In return, there are two types of cash flows to the investor, fixed interest payments at a regular interval interval, and repayment of the loan at maturity. Um, so it's this very Jewy thing <laughs> where you basically have bonds in the Israeli government. Yeah, Um I also want to say another line that was really funny was um, uh, Cece's very annoyed that they're doing this show with showgirls. And she says, I wanted to do 12 angry men. And Niles says, but they didn't want to do you. And I also like guffawed. I slapped my knee. I was like, ha, 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 ha. That's classic Niles and Cece. It's so mean. Oh, also that reminds me, um, if you remember a couple episodes ago, I know we're all over the place right now, but that's just where we are today. Um, a couple episodes ago when we were discussing when Cece made that ref when she said, um, where have I heard that before? After or like I've heard that before after Mr. Sheffield said, like, I'll do it, but I don't like it. I was discussing that line with my roommate and writing partner Monica, and she was like, Oh, I didn't actually necessarily get the sense that she meant she's heard that from Mr. Sheffield. I just assumed she gets that from men all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so so another, you know, another perspective, potentially it's potentially Fran uh sorry, potentially Cece and Mr. Sheffield have not really consummated things that is just a trend for her in general. Yeah. I'm still unsure on if they've had sex canonically or not. It's not clear to me yet. It seems that as the series progresses, like maybe they started from the place that they were a casual couple or they were dating, but without like a real defined parameters of where it was going. And we've evolved to it being, no, no, no. She's purely his business partner, but like pines for more. Um, which is funnier, I think. I think. I think. Me. I, and I, I, yeah, that would make sense from a conscious standpoint of not wanting Fran to be any type of relationship ruiner and more mm-hmm. just like competition in the sense that like he's clearly into Fran and sees CC as a business person. Uh, whereas, like, if in at first in the pilot, it really does like lean more towards like, oh, they have a pre-established like romantic relationship of some kind. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, but then, but then, yeah, that sets Fran up to have to basically ruin their relationship at some point. Yeah. And it's so much funnier because it makes Cece way more pathetic. <laughs> She's yeah. just totally, you know, desperate for his love and he's never actually showed her any. Yeah. She's, um, she's like a Charlie Brown character. She's mm-hmm. like Charlie Brown, you know, to me, Cece is constantly, uh, uh just like sad sack failure. <laughs> it's um, great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. and, and then it, and then it's really funny when um sometimes fran takes pity on cc and 
Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, which brings us into the Fran or the Cece. So they really didn't pit them against each other in this episode. There really wasn't like a, this is a Fran characteristic, this is a Cece characteristic. Um, but I did say I would not take seeing my boss naked well, and Fran was cool as a cucumber. I'm not cool like Fran. I don't, you know, I wouldn't just be like, ha, 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 that's life. I'd be like, oh, God, I need to take uh, – now I can never look at that person again. I would I would guess I'm the Mr. Sheffield of the episode. Yeah, I think I would feel really embarrassed. I don't <laughs> even, I, that, that feels like a situation that doesn't really happen in life. The closest thing I can think of is when I was – When you I walked met, in on Mac? No, I'm, yeah, <laughs> no, I must have been like – I was young because it was whenever Who Framed Roger Rabbit came out. So like mid 90s. So I was like, you know, 11, maybe 10, something like that. And I got invited to a birthday party, which was like at a movie theater and then like at like a restaurant afterwards. Right. And I was my mom hadn't had just had like my little. okay, so, yeah, it must have been like early, you know, like like 90, 91, actually, because my sister was still a baby. And I was just excited for babies. And there was a woman holding a baby. And I went over and I was like, oh, your baby's so cute. And I picked up the blanket that was sort of like covering the baby. And she was breastfeeding. And I didn't realize. And then I was immediately like, I knew I like, I was like, oh, oh no. And then she was like, it's okay. Like, and I, I was like, I was like, I just like babies. And then like, like, I remember I remember it to this day is how much I know that like it mortified me, you know, but I just never, I didn't think about breastfeeding at that. I didn't even understand. You know what I mean? I don't know that I had ever. That's actually, honestly, it's, it's very endearing. And also like rings very true to me that a five-year-old Sean would still be baby crazy. Like he would still be more maternal than most grown women somehow. (laughs) I really wanted a little sister. Um, So yeah, Who Framed Roger Rabbit came out in 1988. I was born in 1981. So that's when this, so I was younger than I even thought. God, also we're so, I think you really are the Fran and I, you really are the Fran just hearing this because, so I love how you were like, I really, really wanted a little sister and I got a little sister and then I was baby crazy. The closest thing I have to that is when I was like three my little cousin Jenna was born and my cousins lived around the block. So we were a very cohesive family unit. And I was a jealous, miserable motherfucker. Like I would not, I would not, I was no longer the baby. I was no longer the baby. And if my mom picked Jenna up, I would scream. Interesting. We're so yeah. different. I am yeah, we're very different. Yeah, we are wow. like Fran and Cece. That's why we're doing this show. Yep. That's, hey, we're, lear- we're learning. We're growing. All right. Uh, this was actually a, there was a lot to talk about. So I feel like it was a jam packed episode, even though um, it also felt very light to watch. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was jam packed. It went by breezy, but there was a lot to cover. And we, again, we were all over the place. Yes, we were. Um, so on that note, I think that about wraps it up. Uh, as always, thank you for listening to the show. And if you do like the show, and you can do such a thing, share it or leave a comment or subscribe if you haven't already. That helps other people find the show so that more people listen to it, which is great. Um, go to the anchor.fm slash the nanny pod and leave us a voice message of some kind. Uh, and what else? Uh, you can find me at Sean Wrights. Toria, what about you? Uh, Instagram, Toria Sheffy, two S and a Y. And uh 
yeah, thanks for listening to the show, and we will see you in one week. <gasps> Goodbye. Goodbye. The Flushing Girl from Flushing, the nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, uh, Miss Fine. <laughs> <laughs>